that that was a clean one. That that was more uh, switching music. WWE. Yeah. Shawn Michaels. That's a good reference. Yeah. Yeah. HBK. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotakizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, if you are joining us for the second time, uh, some new listeners last week, um, hopefully if you listened in last week and maybe you disagreed with what Chris ran had to say. Hopefully you were respectful when delivering that message to him. Um, but I just want to remind everybody, we all want the same thing. We all want the club to do well. And finally, this weekend, they did. They finally got a win in the league, their first in 10 tries. And it felt really good. It looked really good. And Nathan Tella looked really good. And um, unfortunately for Danny Ings, he went off. He's due to be out for somewhere between three and four weeks. Hopefully he'll be back uh, according to Ralph, after the international break. But uh, we were unaware of exactly how long it was going to be when I spoke with this week's guest, Jake Hughes. Um, Jake is the the editor, the creator of um, St. Mary's Musings. You can follow St. Mary's Musings on Twitter. Uh, you can get in-match updates and uh, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of uh, other things from Alan Gunn, who runs that. But Jake is the editor. He's been on the show a number of times before. He is, uh, at this point, I think, a friend. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with him. He had been up since somewhere between three and four in the morning watching uh, UFC as he is also a freelance uh, MMA writer. We talked Sunday afternoon. We look back on the win over Sheffield United and uh, some of the standout performances and uh, some of the things we'd like to do better still because it wasn't perfect. And um, we also answered some of your questions. So thanks again to everybody who listened in last week. Thanks again for listening in here. If you ever have a question, feel free to send it in. And uh I think that's enough. So let's jump into the interview now with Jake. Uh, once again, you can follow him on Twitter at JJ Hughes underscore and the links to St. Mary's Musings are also in the show notes. So don't be afraid to go follow them on whatever social media platforms you're on. All right. Uh, enough of this. Let's jump in now and I will talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jake Hughes. You can find him on Twitter at JJ Hughes underscore. He's also the editor of St. Mary's Musings, and you can get links to that, uh, or all of it, in the show notes. Um, Jake, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, big win to talk about. Um, first time in, uh, or only second time in 2021 we've had been able to talk about a league win. So uh, welcome back, and, and how are you? Great to be back, Matt. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, it's lovely to be able to talk about a win. I think I, I did pick this game to <laughs> talk to you about uh, thinking that we would get a result, and this was pre our awful run 
so yeah, it, it's uh, it feels good to be talking to you after a win. Um, there's also feelings of relief because uh, I don't think anyone expected uh, yesterday's game to be as important as it was. So yes, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, I think you know, at at one point in the season we would have looked at a, a trip to Sheffield United, a trip to Bramall Lane is just three more points to help us cement our position in the top four, uh, or at least maybe in the European places. And now it's just like, well, let's just get 10 points a, a above the relegation zone. And maybe, you know, we'll just worry about finishing mid table again. Um, so definite, definite change in, in, in tone from, uh, <laughs> from one point in the season, but, um, uh, it was good yesterday to, to get a win and we're talking on Sunday. So it was good for, for Saturday to get a win. Uh, hopefully just, just shake off the, the kind of, Maybe I mean check off the cobwebs of learning how to how to do it right like you know it's been a while since we yeah. we've, we've put away a team like that so uh, it was nice um, but just for p- people who if, if they're not familiar uh, St Mary's Musings uh, is SB Nation's Southampton site uh, you are the editor of it uh, you can get transfer news you can get injury news you can get match reports um, and you and, and Alan Gunn. Uh, together do uh, you know Alan does a lot of the the, the match day uh, Twitter stuff um, but uh, f- from my perspective uh, it's it's good value to to get on there and just watch Alan uh, you know really go for it on Twitter sometimes which I which I truly does, enjoy yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah he's, he's great all social media stuff I can't take credit for it's all Alan um, and he does a very good job I, I, I think we've talked about it before but I always make the assumption like if you and Alan are working together, you must have been best friends somehow. And then you're like, actually, no, I don't think I've ever met him in person. And you guys just, you just work well together. So it's, it's great. I uh, spent a lot of time on, with Alan on, on Skype and Zoom doing uh, uh, other uh, podcast video stuff. So he's, Alan, Alan's great if you, people don't follow him uh, anywhere. So uh, anyway, check out St. Mary's Musings. Links are in the show notes to, to do all of that. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to, to talk to you about a win. Um, and, and kind of one of the things I'm going to ask you right away is, you know, that match at Bramall Lane, Ralph celebrates 100 matches in charge of Saints and gets a win for it. Um, you know, we talked a little bit last week. Obviously, if people listened last week, for if it was your first time, um, Chris was on here and he was very much, you know, it, it, questioning whether Ralph should still be at the club. His, his feelings are that, that Ralph should go. Um, I'm not, I'm not here to say he should or he shouldn't. Um, but um, you know, over over the course of Ralph's hundred matches, not all of them in the Premier League, um, one point three five points per match. Um, but a hundred matches in charge, he gets a win. Um, what I guess can you can you give me a summary of your feelings on Ralph over over the his hundred games in charge? I let me uh, preface this with uh, I am respectfully uh, differing to Chris. On this, I, I, I definitely think um, no one is immune from criticism. I think Ralph has been criticised these last few weeks, and rightfully so. Um, however, I still think he's the, the right man for the job. All you have to do is look at our early season form and how we performed uh, the last stage of last season. Um, I, I think he is the, the right person to be leading our club. I feel like a whole lot of mitigating circumstances around him like uh, lack of squad depth, injuries to key personnel um, have hampered his progress with Saints and I, I feel like the, 
the main flaw you could point out of Rouse's um, his seeming uh, inability to come up with a, a plan B, um, a different way for us to play with the personnel we do have. However, I, I feel like Carl Walker-Peters has somehow emerged into this sort of absolute vital cog in, in, at Southampton in general. And I feel like no matter what system he'd play, he'd still be missing that right back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, yes, you, could, you can uh, levy Ralph. The criticism that, yeah, he, he hasn't tried to change things a whole lot, even with our bad form. Um, however, I still think he could pull out, you know, an absolute tactical masterclass um, against Leeds, as an example, and we still lose because we are still missing those key players. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if you're going to be looking at Ralph, um, you know, putting Ralph under a microscope, it will be from, you can't even say from now, for the things, um, you, you look at how he does with um, this squad, the full squad at his disposal, which, you know, even Romeo's out long-term now, the rest of the season. Um, you know, it's going to be impossible to truly sort of get a sense of how good he is with this team, but I feel like, you know, how well Saints are doing before this recent run kind of points towards, you know, how, how Saints would be shaping up if we did have all our best players available for selection. Yeah, I think Ralph um, does struggle when we have more than, than one match in a week he, to, to get guys you know, fit and, and get the game plan in place. And um, I, I, I praised Ralph, I think, for being, you know, for having a strong identity in terms of the style he wanted to play. I think that's important because I think if you look back at, at some of the managers we've had in the recent past, that hasn't always been there or that style has been so boring that nobody likes it. And with Ralph's style, you do open yourself up to get carved open if if things don't go well. But it's also a much more exciting way to play. Like I enjoy watching the team, which I think there is, uh, there's probably a two, two and a half year period where most fans were kind of like, this isn't fun to watch. You know, this is supposed to be entertaining and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, put us all to sleep. And so, um, you know, and on the flip side of that, you have to find ways to protect yourself and, and, and sure up the defense and, and also find ways to, to, to put guys in positions to succeed. And, and you know, not having Kyle Walker Peters, not having uh, another right back to to put in there, that's not all down to Ralph. But you know, Valerie and Vokens did go out on loan even even in January, and 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 so yeah. you have you have questions as to you know whether or not they're gonna they have a long term future at the club and everything else. But once again, that's not just Ralph. That's a that's probably a, yeah. a, a the the full hierarchy being involved, and he's still paying for uh, decisions that were made uh, under previous regimes and. Um, I'm not going to say that Les Reed didn't do some things that were really good for the club, but some of those contracts that he gave out uh, in, in, in kind of the later years of his tenure, uh, him and Ralph Kruger, you know, were, were still dealing with the after effects of that. Um, you know, e- even though Jordy Classy's not on the books, having to come to some sort of an agreement to uh, get him off means that, you know, money was spent to, to kind of pay him off and watch him go play elsewhere. And that means we don't have that money to spend now. Um, think about Wesley Hoot and there's all those other things. So uh, I don't want to be too critical, but definitely uh, Ralph, Ralph has some, Ralph has some things to work on. And uh, I think if he didn't, you know, he would probably be coaching at a different club in the Premier League. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be at Southampton. <laughs> but the, 
There's a really good point you brought up to begin with is um, we've been crying out for a manager for the longest time, probably since Kuman, um, you know, for a manager to have a clear style of play um, and, and an attractive one to watch and a successful one as well. Um, Ralph has clearly got some way of playing, which, you know, when it works, is amazing to watch. Um, Yes, you'd like to see him be perhaps pragmatic when he needs to be uh, to avoid certain score lines going against us. Um, you know, what the kind of ones that near 10. Um, it's only happened twice, can't... man. I don't know. <laughs> 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 but we... Twice is way too much. Um, but, you know, okay, compare, compare Ralph to... You know, we had Mark Hughes before him. What was our style of play under Mark Hughes? We we didn't have any identity whatsoever. So you can't complain too much about the style of football Ralph's instilled into the squad. It's not just the squad, the whole club. And then complain when it's not working because we've been crying out for this for ages. Um, there's, there's definite rooms for improvement, but I do feel like squad... Um, the squad depth is the thing that's mostly hampering us at the minute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm reluctant to. It, it does on the on on paper it does sound pretty mad even just saying this out loud. But like you know, we have witnessed two nine nil defeats to Brown Pass and Tootle, and in my lifetime, I've never seen Saints beat nine nil once until right. he's been in charge. I'm still very, very reluctant to criticise him because he's, I feel like, the way I see Ralph is he's pulled Saints out of the doldrums. Um, being a Southampton fan, you do have to go through uh, plenty of trust before you hit a peak. And we've been enjoying a lot of peaks recently. Yeah. This has been one almighty trough since our uh, defeat to Leicester. Um but I have full faith that he's, he is the man that can take us out of this mess. And, and I don't think there are many reasonable tar- managerial targets that could do a better job than Ralph is at Southampton. I'm still very happy with Ralph as the manager. And I, I definitely think that, you know, criticism in certain places is, is completely warranted. But I, I also say, I think, sometimes we have short memories as football fans, right? Like it's, it's easy to think back about how bad the teams were to watch under Puel and Pellegrino and Hughes. And then also complain now when we, when the team doesn't have the depth that, that is required to play the system that Ralph wants. And then we get, we get beaten And And I don't know, like if you're trying to instill in the players, we're playing this way, even when it doesn't work, right? Like we, we've watched other teams as well. Like, uh, you know, sometimes City or Liverpool or Arsenal or whoever, they try to play the ball out of the back. They, they, you know, they make a mistake. The other team scores and that's just the way it goes. And, but, but yeah. overall in the long term, like that, I, that, that clearly identifiable style of play um, it, is something that I want to see. And I think, you know, when you look back, if you were to just to watch, you know, highlights of a game, you could almost pick out, you know, oh, that's, that's Pochettino's team. That's Kuman's team. If you were to watch us play under Puel or Pellegrino or or Hughes, it'd be difficult to discern, you know, other than the jerseys that are that they're wearing. Like, 
which manager it was. And now I think if you watch us play now, you go, that's Ralph's team. And I think that, yeah, that is, uh, I think that's important. And I think that's, that gives us something that it's not just a, you know, this is the longest Ralph's ever been in a, in a, in a top flight manager position. So he, he's here to, to stay, I think, and he's building something and I'm, you know, I think sometimes you got to, you just have to accept that it's going to have some, some rough points. And if, if anything says, you know, we should, we should maybe be happy. We're not probably getting in Europe this year. Like that, like looking at what happens when we play more than one game in a week, we should just go, okay, like we're, we're okay. One more, we're not ready for yeah. that yet. You know, we're not, we're not developed enough. And also, um, maybe this will be the last point on Ralph because I don't want to take up your whole podcast talk about him. Um, but you mentioned Pochettino and Kuhlman. Uh They weren't always uh, the most fun. Southampton weren't always the most fun to watch under those two. There is that infamous run under Kuhlman. Uh, I think it's the second season in charge from November where we went on a, I think it was a run of 10 games without a win. Uh-huh. Um, not too dissimilar to this run, of course. Uh, and we've always had the same problems because I think no matter how good the manager is, um, when you're playing decent teams like you get in the Premier League, um, I remember under Pochettino, the amount of games we'd have where we'd dominate possession and we'd be, you know, uh, we'd be pressing high up the pitch, but we'd have absolutely zero end product. And that was with players that, you know, we absolutely adored at a time like uh, Adam Lallana, Ricky Lambert. You know, I could go on the amount of players that bloody left us uh, <laughs> the summer after Pochettino left. Um, we've we've had these problems for ages, and I think it's just a symptom of being a middling-sized club in the Premier League. You look at Brighton, play lovely football, can't score. Um, we. We have been, Southampton have long been a club with that problem. And then you know, once players start leaving, Pochettino left, Freeman left, uh, the quality of manager, the quality of player all, all dipped. Saints then form poorly in the league. We're less likely to attract better players as a result. Um, I feel like Ralph's started to rebuild Southampton's reputation. Uh, but we're still that middling club in the league trying to punch above our weight and it's not always going to work all the time um and the final thing i'll say about ralph is i feel like he's shown us a degree of loyalty when we first hired ralph i was surprised that we could get a manager of his reputation the fact that he actually wants to stay and build a project um and you can clearly see the results of that project so far um most positive, some negative, obviously, given our recent first team run. Uh, I feel like, you know, when's the last time, apart from an absolute cowboy of a manager like Pellegrino or Hughes, when's the last time we've had a, a decent Southampton manager who's wanted to be at Southampton? Pochettino didn't. We were a stepping stone. Mark Hughes, um, not Mark Hughes, uh, Ronald Koeman uh, said all the right things. As soon as he was offered more money that we couldn't offer him, he jumped ship. Uh, I feel like Ralph's the, the right man for Saints. And yes, it's not always going to be good. Um, but 
but I feel like the good has outweighed the bad so far, and that's all I can ask of a Southampton manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I will say that, you know, Ralph has a degree of, uh, because he has, I guess, that, um, that profile, right? Like, he could potentially go bigger, maybe. Um, but that also means that he's, he's got quite a, a, a bit of rope to hang himself with if he chooses to do yeah. so. You know, and so so he will be judged on that, and I think that's fair because that's the, you know, he doesn't get as much rope if he's at if he's at Chelsea or some of these other clubs where he would have been gone with with some of the results. But you know, now he's got to he's got to prove to us that he can do it, and and I think you know I think the intentions are in the right place. I think he's working towards it, um, and 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 we'll we'll just see how it goes. I mean, uh, Saints were fun to watch again on on Saturday, which is is you know. If yes. I'm going to get up at 7 a.m., like, thank you. Uh, or in a couple of weeks at 4 a.m., like, that's something that's going to happen. Uh, that's the dog, by the way. <laughs> as, uh, as she recovered. She has recovered. We had a slight accident. Um, not, not, a great, not a great Saturday. Um, she was not entertained by the game, based on the look on her face. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's, I guess let's talk about a win, because we have a win to talk about. And and I think there are a number of factors that go into uh, making it the first win. And when I looked at you know XG numbers and things like that, like Saints and and Sheffield United were on the very far end of the spectrum in terms of the difference between the goals they should have scored and the goals they had actually scored. Uh, and and now they've kind of come back towards the middle a little bit. But um, Sheffield United for most of the season were creating chances and not being able to finish them and we saw that yesterday we'll talk about it um, Saints were not creating great chances and and scoring very low percentage shots from uh, corners and from uh, you know Danny Ings lobbing uh, Allison one touch you know from a free kick um, you know things like that and so we if you look at the story of XG the, the teams are very actually very close um, the results um, have not been that way. And so obviously Sheffield United come in, they're on the bottom of the table. They've been there for, for some time and, and Saints come in in, in, in poor form. But um, I think finally with some, with, with, with a, a bit of a boost given that we had players returning from injury. And I think that that is, uh, that, that is super important. But I mean, looking at, at the lineup, were you, I mean, I guess what, what made you the happiest looking at that lineup? Uh, well, that's pretty easy actually. Carl Walker Peters, but I would say Diallo is a close second. So I really liked what I've seen from Diallo um, so far since he joined in the summer. Um, but yeah, Carl Walker Peters, uh, Ralph Arsenehutel was deliberately innocuous about whether Walker Peters would be back or not. Um, he says he was back in training, but wasn't sure if he'd be ready. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was very nice to see him because he has become the sort of missing piece of the puzzle these, these last few weeks. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was it was a relief to see he was there because yeah, the Sheffield United game was really important. Yeah, and, and I mean Saints have picked up one point without Kyle Walker Peters in the lineup this season, and I think that just shows how important. Um, how important that position is. I want, I want to say it's just Kyle Walker Peters. Like maybe another actual right back will be able to do that job. But uh, I've, I've written about it um, in previous weeks, just how crucial he is to, I mean, he's an outlet um, offensively. He he's, 
the the long switch um, he takes up all that width on the right hand side and really allows Stuart Armstrong to to kind of be a, a bit more free and, and, and creative and take up positions that allow uh, in between the lines that allow him to 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 get on the ball and find space. Um, the defensively one v one he's great. He's so comfortable on the ball. He is he is just we need that there. And when we don't have that, whether it's Bednarak or Genevo or Ward Prowse or whoever. Uh, I think Diallo's taken up a, a few minutes there. It's it's never worked out for us, um, you know, in, in the long haul. So I think him coming back in is super important. And then um, also Diallo coming back in, it, I think, is important, mostly because it it allows Stuart Armstrong to be in his natural position or in the position that he is most comfortable with, which is allows him to be creative. I think if you look at where uh, Armstrong was playing in central midfield with Ward-Prowse, um, Oftentimes he was too far forward. Uh, he doesn't take up, you know, the the same position that Romeu d- did, obviously, or Diallo would. Um, and then also his creativity is somewhat stifled because in the back of his mind he has those defensive responsibilities that he's not really taking care of uh, are still there. So I think I think the return from injuries were super important. Even though um, Diallo, you know, I wouldn't say he was super tidy on the ball yesterday. He gave it away quite a bit, but uh, we'll we'll give that down to him being, you know, a child and then also rusty from being injured. So. I think I can forgive him uh, most of those, you know? Yeah, totally agree. Uh, fresh back straight into the team. He's only started training about two days before the game. Yeah, is that yellow off? Well, you know, again, it's, um, it's like what you said of Walker Peters as well, with, with yellow, just having them players back. Um, you know, you could you could be Romeo instead of the yellow. Um, that presence of an additional central midfielder alongside Ward Prowse means Armstrong's freed up. Um, with Walker Peters back at right back, a natural right back, means Bednarek's not shoehorned out there. And as much as I've liked uh, seeing Salasu actually play for Southampton for the first time in, you know, since joining the club in this recent run, um, I feel like the established centre-back pairing between Bednarek and Vestergaard seems to be our best option at the minute. So just having a natural right back again means Bednarek can play in the strongest position. Um, and I felt like that was a, a key component to our win yesterday. Brewster did find some, some, uh, some joy down, down that side of the field, but uh, we mm-hmm. stamped it out pretty well. And, and you know, Bednarek 1v1 defending does a, does a decent job. You know, he's, he's, he's going yeah. to do that. Vestergaard's going to come and kind of uh, be the guy that plays the ball most often. Um, Bednar acts the the firefighter, like Ralph described him as that before. So I'm I'm totally fine with with him doing that. So um, you know, uh, you know, Diallo still had I think the third highest um, in terms of completed passes. Uh, he still had the third highest percentage on the team for, on the day. He did just get dispossessed quite a few times, but uh, once again, we'll we'll forgive him that given uh, you know the the things we mentioned earlier. So I believe I believe it was Diallo who played Teller in as well for the. Yes, yes. Obviously, a key part of the game. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a, the 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 best transition we're ever going to get. So we won't even try to play it off uh, like we meant it. Um, but trying to list positives about the game, like the first thing I think both of us would have put down is Nathan Tella because uh, he gets the start. And I guess how important was that for you? We've seen Redmond up there uh, in, in recent weeks. Um, che Adams being sent to the bench, uh, and and you know people people have questions about why Nathan Redmond is starting. Um, and, and today or Saturday was, it was a different Nathan and, and Tella gets in. And I mean, 
I don't know if it's just like youthful exuberance, if it's just not understanding, hey, you're supposed to be more nervous than this or whatever it is. But he, uh, I, I want to say in the first 10 minutes, had attracted, had did, gotten guys yellow cards, had picked up um, or, or earned, I think, um, three free kicks, I think, inside the ten, opening 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I was really impressed with with the, the performance he had, he had yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was his best performance for Southampton yet. Um, I've been kind of reluctant to see him start, to be honest. Uh, from these sort of substitute appearances I've seen, I don't know, I don't want to be harsh on a young player, but I've kind of got the impression he might be a bit of a headless chicken. Okay. And I actually thought Dan and Lindelou looked better from the flashes I've seen. Um, but Nathan Teller just... Uh, I don't want to swear, but he <laughs> all over my opinion. <laughs> he was he was brilliant. He was exactly what we needed. We resorted to a lot of long ball, um, which was proven again by that yellow ball over the top. Mm-hmm. Teller running in, won a penalty, and that was all all Teller. Great touch, great speed to actually get beyond um, the Sheffield United back line. Totally, it was definitely penalty but he played it perfectly so Ampadu had no chance but to mm-hmm. take him out rather than get the ball um, and it's just a perfect example of how good a game he had and as you said that sort of run of earning basically the same foul in the same area three times in the first ten minutes I kind of as soon as I saw that I was like okay he might cause their defence quite a few problems here and he did um, you mentioned Redmond as well I don't know what it is with Redmond because I I've always um, never been a Redmond super fan, uh, but I've always like I've always thought he um, is at least a player that has the potential to make an impact on a game, mm-hmm. whether as a substitute, whether as a starter. I don't really get that sense of him now. I feel like he's lost a yard of pace, which is quite surprising, considering how quick he was, and he's not not particularly old. I don't know if it's He's still not matched. He's not properly fit after his sort of on-off spells of injury. Uh, but he hasn't looked particularly good since coming back uh, from injury. I think he's, he's got one goal this season. It was against Sheffield United in the reverse fixture, if I remember correctly. Um, so uh, as um, I'm going to contradict myself here, but you know, I said I was reluctant to see Teller in the starting lineup, but I was, I was actually quite happy to see it in place of Redmond. So I don't think Redmond's playing particularly well at the minute. No, no. And and now I think Ralph will be faced with a decision as to, to which Nathan to play up top alongside Che Adams, given that, that Ings is going to be out for some time. And, um, you know, Tella at 21 years, 244 days old, youngest player on the pitch, and the two youngest players on the pitch with him and Diallo for us, uh, combining to uh, to earn the penalty. And then Ward Prowse, of course, uh, dispatches it so um you know that i think that he's got confidence that i'm not sure i'm not i don't know where it comes from but i'm happy to to see him you know use that and drive forward and do those things and uh you know um i understand i think what where you're coming from with the the bit of a headless chicken kind of analogy and, and then um but yeah yeah yesterday he just looked like he was he's been doing this and he knows how to do it and he he'll continue yeah. to do it and so you just hope that that's the case given, especially now, um, you know, more, more injury news. But I think on, I, I mean, I don't want to, I, I know 
in previous seasons, you know, we looked at the number of goals Danny Ings was scoring and 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 how reliant we were on him to do those things. And but now I think that that having if we have Kyle Walker Peters and we have Diallo in the team, I think I take that. If if you told me you could have those two in and have Ings out, or you can have Ings in and you miss those two, I think I'd take Ings out and and I'd leave Kyle Walker Peters and Diallo in if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I know you wanted to talk about natural positions yeah. as well. Um, and I feel like what you just said sort of fits into that. But also, to go back to what I was talking about with Redmond, um, Redmond definitely is not a, a second striker option like Shay Adams is or even Shane Long was. Um, Teller, before, I think we've largely seen him out on the wing. But we had Minamino sort of filling uh, that position in the wing yesterday, who is another player I feel like um, was definitely welcomed uh, to have him back yesterday. I felt like he he was very positive in the way he played. But maybe Teller's more natural position, and the first time we really saw it yesterday was him supporting the, the striker, whether it was Ings or, or Adams when he came in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think just, you know, not having to shoehorn players. And, and I think the, the saying is, you know, square peg round hole. Um, we've seen the more Ralph has to do that, the, the worse the team looks. And it's, uh, it's really nice to have this system. Um, it's not so nice if you don't have the pieces to make it work. And that's not all on Ralph. Um, the, the decision to not to abandon the system that is definitely on Ralph, I think um, as well. So, I yeah, mean, agreed. that, that first goal created by Diallo and Tella. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I, I do. I still think though, Ings having to go off. I think that is that is a concern. It could be. Uh, Ralph said he thinks you know usually at least four weeks for a muscle injury. Um, he did walk off under his own power, which is good. But it was you could see how quickly they made that decision to to not continue with with Ings on the pitch, which I thought was concerning. Um, so we'll see. And and the the problem with Ings having uh, you know so many injuries is that he knows I think when when it's bad and. And he just yeah. went down right away and said, "We're this is it. We're you know we're done. Make, let's make the change," um, which brought Che Adams onto the pitch, and he's been criticized. Um, he hasn't scored a lot. He hasn't been great. Um, does a lot of things off the ball, and I think like we have this with this thing where I like players who just work hard, um, and so I give them probably too much credit and too much grace in terms of you know you're allowed to be a Premier League striker who does a lot of things except score. Um, it, and at some point you need somebody to score. And so when Ings goes off and now you're left with, you know, uh, uh, the question is where the goal is going to come from. Um, you know, Che got one yesterday. Um, maybe not the, uh, not, not the, I, I didn't think it was going to go in when he hit it. Um, or when I saw him lining up to hit it, because generally those, those hit somebody in the stands if there are people there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he's got, a couple of decent goals for Saints now, hasn't he? I feel like um, as great as his goal was against City, I absolutely love a uh, you know a smashing half volley. Uh, yeah, yesterday's goal was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's against Sheffield United again. Shay Adams seems to like playing against his old club. Um, what I particularly enjoy about that is he doesn't seem to have any problems celebrating against them, which I'm I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from the goal, I actually felt like the best game he's played for Southampton for probably since this whole run of losses and, and one draw. 
Um, he looked fit, which um, I don't know whether you know his poor form coincides with playing with a lot of games. Um, but he was chasing down absolutely everything. It might be because he was dropped again. You know, he might have been motivated by that. But I felt like he, soon, you know, he had he basically played a whole game really. Mm-hmm. Um, the things going off so early, and I felt like he did everything he had to do. He obviously he. He only really had that one half chance and he put that away. Um, he was constantly pressuring their defence and it was a, let's not beat around the bush here, Sheffield United have a lot of defenders out. Um, but he he bullied um, an inexperienced back line, which was what we needed. Uh, his hold-up play was good. He actually looked quick as well. And... Um, yeah, I just felt like he, the impact he made um, was exactly what Saints needed. Um, and and it, as much as it's a, uh, a blow to the way Southampton plays to have things go off, but you have to also think, like, for morale, when Saints are you know, on this terrible run of form, see their main goal scorer go off the pitch, um, and his teammates probably knew that he was going to be out for at least a month. Um, you know, that, that can be a quite damaging moment for a team in a game, uh, just for morale, let alone, you know, missing key personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Adams to fill that, that, that role Ings uh, had on the pitch was very important, and he did a really, really good job. Yeah, and I think you can watch some of the other things that he normally does in him chasing that ball down to keep it in play to, um, you know, to put the initial shot in that forces Ramsdale into a save that then, I mean, it's a terrible clearance and, and, you know, good on Bertrand for sticking his head in the way of that, uh, that, you know, ball that was essentially launched just to go downfield. And it was probably going to go over Bednarak's head if, uh, if, uh, if Bertrand doesn't head it up in the air. Um, and and just the the awareness to not give up on the play. He he got himself back on side. He set himself an Armstrong as well to just you know shoulder it down or whatever, chest it down. However he did, um, you know I I think you know it finally all comes together. And like you said, he did celebrate, which you uh, you know if he celebrates against us, I, I won't feel that way. If he if he moves yeah. on and celebrates <laughs> it, but for now, uh, you got to give it to him. And you know. Uh, he didn't play for them, I don't think, a lot as a first teamer. So maybe that's maybe that's why. So he, yeah, he was he was much younger back then. Yeah. Quick question, actually, which I've got to ask about the uh, Adams goal. Yeah. Did you celebrate it when it first went in? Because I was absolutely convinced that uh, Armstrong was offside. Um. So yes, I did. Um. But I also I spilt my I spit my oatmeal out a little bit because I was eating. Uh, <laughs> Cause it was seven, it's seven forty. All right. At that point it was eight o'clock in the morning, you know? Um, yeah. so I made oatmeal at halftime, sat down, um, yelled some, some choice words when, when I, when he hit it, because it was, it was one of those goals. And then, um, I guess in, in, in all of that hurry, uh, had, then only later to figure out that, Hey, was there any, any indication that, that Armstrong was outside? But, um, he he did just enough. By the time it hits Bertrand in the face, um, he's he's actually uh, well, like onside by a, by at least two feet. So yeah, um, yeah, it was so the the first replays we got in at least in England. I'm not sure if the Premier League broadcast was different uh, in the US on NBC, but um, 
yeah, the, the replays only showed this one centre-half who was clearly in front of Armstrong. Okay. So I didn't celebrate it at all. And I was, for the longest time, I was absolutely baffled as to why VAR wasn't even mentioned. There was no delay in the restart at all. It just went from replay to kickoff again. It was only at, after the game you got a proper view of, of the, the pitch during the replay and you could actually see he was clearly on the side. But yeah. I um I didn't actually celebrate when I went in, so I was, I was convinced that Adams uh, was going to get robbed of a goal. But thankfully, yeah, that wasn't the case. Well, and I mean that could have been a huge momentum swing if it happens, right? Like you know, yeah. we're feeling yeah, pretty good, and then to have that taken away, it just goes like, oh, oh no, and because that's another. Um, you talk about creating good chances, wasn't necessarily a great chance. Like that, that's a low uh, percentage shot. Um, beautiful to watch, but uh, yeah, so, so good, good for Che. Uh, good for the team because I think that um, I think that coupled with the fact that we kept a clean sheet means that we're we're actually feeling quite good, right? Yeah, definitely. And that, I mean, you can't get smashed if you keep a clean sheet. So I feel like obviously we, we've talked already about having you know certain players back from injury. Um, they both happen to be more defensive-minded players. So it's nice to see, you know, the thing, one of the few things we've been holding out for uh, to be the factor that reverses our form has been the return of Wolf Peters and then Diallo after Romeo got injured. So to see us actually keep a clean sheet, albeit against Sheffield United, is, yeah, it's nice because, you know, you'd hope for them push on and, you know, defend more solidly as a, you know, as a result of them being back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have a couple of questions kind of moving on from that. Um, you know, we have questions about, about Forster. We have questions about McCarthy, uh, uh, about Tella. But let's, I guess, look to some of those because the question has now come up. Um, let's see. The question has come up from um, gingers123 at joel underscore rich123. Uh, on Twitter, uh, asked a couple of questions. Should Tella start nearly every game? Should Forster stay as the number one, seeing as his distribution improved massively today? Uh, and then he also commented that Adams looks better than Ings has in his previous five to ten. But um, you know, Forster came in uh, again for McCarthy. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he starts again uh, midweek against Manchester City. I can't really see much of a of a of a reason to drop him, other than the first few minutes when Sheffield United had a series of corners. Um, Forster came and failed to get to three or four of them in, in a row. And that reminds me of Fraser Forster lacking confidence a little bit in that time. Mm-hmm. But he, um, you know, I think other than that, wasn't super busy, but did sweep up quite well, I thought. And I thought his, his kicking was okay. McCarthy um, is terrible at that. He's one of the worst in the Premier League. Um, so, so anything is an improvement over that. But uh, overall, what's your, what's your take on, on the Forster for Forster? versus McCarthy uh, situation? I'm all for Forster being back. Um, I think on previous podcasts, I told you I've never been 100% sold on McCarthy. And although I think, you know, if you look at McCarthy's average performances for Southampton, you'd say he's done better than he has done badly. Um, you know, again, certain games aside, uh, yeah, it's nice to see Paul's back. I'd, I'd like to put the, you know, the lack of conviction in collecting up crosses 
down to just a lack of game time. Um, just seeing Forster back is, you know, one, it sort of brings me back to the human days, which is quite nice. Um, secondly, like before he got that knee injury, during his first run as Saints starting goalkeeper, he got that knee injury against Burnley. He was, in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Um, he obviously came back after that injury and never was quite the same. And confidence dipped. I know there's a lot of talk about his uh, his mental health, and it, it appears his loan move back to Celtic last season was really beneficial to him. And I actually wanted him to go straight back into the first team when he returned from Celtic in the summer. So I'm, I'm really happy to see him back. Um, he made some key saves and key uh, decision, uh, some key uh, moments of decision making yesterday. And it's also uh, worth noting that he was our goalkeeper for that Liverpool game as well. And I felt like he was a big reason why we kept the clean sheet against Liverpool in, in January. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to see him back. Uh, there's always going to be uh, that feeling and mistake could be coming. Yeah. With Forster, but I feel like that's the same with McCarthy. And as you look across the Premier League, I think every single goalkeeper in that league is, is prone to but they at least have a weakness. We've even seen Allison in full form over these past couple of months. So yeah. um I'm happy to see Forster back. I think he's a big presence. And and you mentioned his distribution. Um it's always been one of his 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 better qualities. Uh so, yeah, if he can keep up the kind of thing I saw yesterday, apart from those crosses, um, I'm, I'm happy to see him back. Yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I can't remember um, Alex McCarthy's last win because, obviously, Forrester was in goal for yeah. the Liverpool match. Um, and, and so just going through my head, I can't. I mean, that's not great. It's not a, that's not a great. No, uh, no it's not. That's not what you want. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not good. And, and, you know, it's difficult because oftentimes goalkeepers, you look at some of the goals we were conceding and it, and they weren't necessarily his fault. He wasn't making errors. Um, he, but he wasn't really given a chance on some of those goals, but then at the same time, it, at the end of the day, it's on you, you know? Um, and you're not, you're not David De Gea, you know, you're not Ederson, you're not bringing some of those other things to the team. Um, yeah. and so, so I think that that's what it is. Uh, according to uh, Football Reference, his last win was the 13th of December against, wait for it, Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scary. Um, yeah. I should say. I mean, uh, I mean, and there's, all, there's also the other element of, um, and this is something that Ralph will know better than us. He, he, Ralph is definitely a manager who is involved in training. Mm-hmm. And he may see... Uh, more leadership qualities as well from a character like Forster, who does have a lot more experience than than McCarthy does. So that could be another decision why, you know, it, let's face it, this Southampton team is battered, bruised, beleaguered, another word beginning with B. Um, maybe the decision is also just to, he might be a better organiser of the defence, he may have shown some leadership qualities behind the scenes at Saints. He's been around the block much longer than McCarthy, who before coming to Saints 
was mostly a, a backup goalkeeper. Um, so that could be another thing. I actually was quite impressed with uh, just from a visual, uh, from an optics point of view anyway. He seems to uh, let his voice be heard and and boss uh, his defence around, which is what you want to see from a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I should say the the question, similar question also came in from Sam McGee, who is the father of one of the patrons, uh, said, uh, you know, should Forster be given a run as number one? And I think our answer to both to that is yes. I think he's, he's, he's done nothing yeah. to lose his spot. Um, it's, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a why not? Yeah. Why not? He's not, he's not going to do any worse than McCarthy. And I'm not, I'm not saying McCarthy's been, you know, the reason why we've lost all these games. No. I, I think Forster has shown throughout his time at Saints, um, he's not, you know, Angus Gunman, he had his run. There was all these stats about his his, uh, you know, his poor shot stopping. Um, never had that problem with Forster. Uh, so I, I think as long as Forster can... I think, well, Forster, from everything I've seen, from the games I watched, which was probably, I can count on one hand, um, but everything else that I've read about Forster during his time at Celtic, he was uh, brilliant for them and they wanted to sign him permanently so if he's got his confidence back which apparently was the reason why he was in such poor form with us before he first got dropped I think why not stick with him um, and it might be you know just another little thing we could do to boost the team yeah yeah uh, I just hope that he continues to, to play to play well and hopefully his confidence comes back and and we continue to win matches which is ultimately what I want um, and I think that's what we all want. It goes kind of goes without saying. Just we have a, a few more questions that we'll try to get to because we're we're running short on time, and um, it, it might be difficult to kind of ask these ones. Uh, so Colt Baker and and Tim Bizantz have a, a, a kind of series of questions. Is Colt says, you know, how does the Ings injury affect the ongoing contract saga? Um, do you think it increases his chance of staying with the club? Yes or no? Um, and then, you know, uh, Tim Bizantz also kind of talks about. Uh, how does the club go about negotiating a contract with a player? Um, and, and and he also encourages us to think about, you know, are the demands too high? Uh, what can we get? How, what does it do to his value and things like that? And, you know, we we have Ralph's kind of immediate post-match thing about, about Ng's um, injury. I'm sure he'll have a scan either, you know, Sunday the day we're talking or Monday the day before the show comes out. Um, and then we'll we'll figure it out. But, you know, Ralph was was mentioning it's probably going to be four weeks. Um, which means I think he'll miss four games, including the uh, the FA Cup uh, match against against Bournemouth. Um, but I mean, I, I guess just looking at the Ings contract, what uh, what 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 are your thoughts on that, and what how important is it for him to to stay or go from your perspective? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Ings. Um, in terms of this question, it's quite hard to answer. One, we don't know the extent of the injury, and all indications are that it's a obviously it's not the kind of knock you'll come back from next week but it's not a season ender mm-hmm. um, and secondly we just we just don't know the inner workings of, of Southampton and what the um, specific issues are between uh, things in the club and you know what, what's stopping him from signing a new deal um, obviously there's been plenty of press around that um, Take, take that as you will. 
in terms of being, um, if I think it should stay or go, I just think Southampton should just focus on the best outcome. Uh, I think holding a player against their will is never a good idea. Um, and if he does want to leave, then you know it's up to the club to get the very best deal um, out of a, a player approaching his 30s. Uh, and, you know, has a long history of injury. If he wants to stay, great. I think that's that's, that's good news. Um, I'd rather him stay than go. Uh, but, yeah, I think Saints just need to be uh, just, you know, smart about it. Don't do a... Don't do what they did with Van Dyke. And yes, we got a lot of money for Van Dyke, perhaps as a result of us sort of playing hardball uh, to begin with. But I, I think um, we should allow him to leave if the, if the right bid comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he stays, yeah, definitely keep him. The, the other thing I want to talk about with things was um, seeing so many things on Twitter at the minute about uh, it's clear that Ings is. You know, head isn't at Southampton and uh, he's clearly not interested in playing for the club and a lot of armchair uh, psychologists mm-hmm. sort of let me, let me put my point across with, with Ings uh, firstly during that, that run of poor form, was it 10 games without a win, can you name any players that were playing well? All of them that were playing against us yeah okay, <laughs> good answer <laughs> Um, secondly, if you are a professional who is uh, trying to get into the England national team for the Euros in the summer, mm-hmm. uh, who's seen as who's worked his arse off uh, trying to defend in a nine-nil defeat at Old Trafford, mm-hmm. uh, do you think if you're a professional player, you would be particularly enjoying your football at a team that's losing every week? No. 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 Um, and I mean, the whole like uh, Spears Ted's not at Southampton thing, I think it's just a load of bollocks. He's a Southampton fan. Uh, he's a player, if he supposedly wants to leave the club, the best way to do that is put yourself in the shop window by playing well, right. which I'm sure he's trying to do every week. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the problem was but he I can't name you any clear cut chances Ings has had and I don't think it's necessarily his fault. Mm-mm. Um it's even in the poor run as well, you look back, how many uh chances has Ward Prowse had to score from free kicks? Which is something we shouldn't be depending on as a team. Right. But I can't tell you uh there's a fair few games in there where I don't can't recall us having a single free kick in a dangerous situation. No. Which suggests we've barely been in their half at all. And that is how we have played the last 10 games. He yeah. hasn't had any chances. He's had no service. He still had to try and work his arse off and perhaps isn't particularly fit uh, or as fit as he should be. Um, and also, his poor form happens to coincide after a knee injury he picked up against uh, Villa. Yeah, so you have all these different things, and like uh, you can't just put it simply down to he wants to leave, therefore he's playing badly. It's more he's come back from injury. Uh, he's got injured again, by the way, which suggests he hasn't been fit at all, as as I think is the case for a lot of 
place in the Premier League at the minute. Um, Saints been playing badly, uh, and he's and no player's going to enjoy playing for a team that's playing badly. Yeah, this is as simple as it is. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, that's fine. That's fine. No, I mean, if you kind of scroll back through, um, you know, our, our just our expected goals over over that run, um, it's rare that we had an expected goal kind of over one. You know, we we just yeah. weren't creating chance, and I think that people who are more reliant on stats, which is something I do, because I I fear being wrong, uh, like just grossly wrong about something, and so if the stats don't suggest or back up what I see, I try not to say it. So, um, you know, looking at our XG, we were outperforming those things. the The goals we were scoring, we shouldn't have been scoring because we weren't creating yeah. very good chances. And so, yes, when those things kind of even out as they do over time, we we just had them. We we ran really well at the beginning, and we ran, you know, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum over that run. And that's that's not Danny Ings' fault necessarily. That's a that's a system thing, but it also goes back to to having players not in their natural positions and not being able to to have a plan B and create chances when teams kind of don't allow you to 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 nick the ball off them in midfield and and quickly, you know, uh, kind of you know, press them into, into making mistakes or when teams are just good enough to play through that, uh, which we may run into on Wednesday. Uh, we will see. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, the, the pre-match edit that we put out this week uh, with the Southampton page was Danny Ings and he got injured. So as a favor to all of us, I will do the entire Manchester City team uh, ahead of Wednesday's match. Uh, so pull them out of your fantasy. Oh, you can't, I guess, pull them out of your fantasy team. Um, but, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Uh, I'll, I'll just steal something and we'll call it good. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think this, that performance, yes, it's against the team that's at the bottom of the table. Um, yes, you know, we did give the ball away. McGoldrick had, uh, a pretty clear cut chance, uh, probably the best chance the, that they had all game. He should have, should have buried that. But, um, there's a reason that, that he's playing for uh, Sheffield United and I know he played for Saints at some point, but, um, you know, sorry, but that, that, that's the truth. And, um, I guess from here we, we move forward and, and, Will we continue it against Manchester City? I don't know. They look like the best team in the world at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, never say never, really. Yeah, I, I like the quote, and you actually said it um, at the beginning of the podcast as well, the uh, winning becomes a habit. Um, same goes to losing becoming a habit, and it had to become a habit. Um, it's, it's very easy to, you know, when, when you lose... Uh, what was it? Well, apart from that Chelsea game, yeah, we lost every game uh, since the end of January up until yesterday. Uh, sorry, Saturday. Um, losing does become a habit, um, and that can be amplified by other issues at the club, like we had with a string of injuries. Um, uh, anything you can possibly have to you lower your morale as a team. I think Saints have had it. Um, officiating as well. But that's a rabbit hole um, I'd like to avoid. Uh, yesterday, yesterday's win is so welcome. Um, and like losing, becoming a habit, um, winning can also become a habit. I don't expect us to beat City by any means. Um, uh, so I am not going to nail my colours to the mask for that. But I think City's a bit of a free hit in the week as long as we avoid getting thumped. Um, and, you know, if we can keep it tight at the back, 
Who knows? Maybe we can nick something. We did beat them last season, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. But you know, given our slide down the table, it was such a, a needed win, and hopefully, it's the kind of thing that will really boost the morale in the camp. And uh, and uh, as we have touched on so many times, just having certain players back, um, even with things out, is is uh, it's a step forward. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can go on some run post city. Yeah, yeah, we can only we can only hope. Um, and uh, I just want to say thanks again for coming on on the show. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, talk to you. And uh, I enjoy catching up, obviously, way too much, as uh, everybody in your life will know, because we've been on the phone for, well, <laughs> it's, it's been on two hours now, so I've, I apologize for that. Um, kind Indeed. of. I mean, I, I, I enjoy it, so I won't, I won't say it that much. Uh, and I will say, um, you know, maybe something that we can smile about, but maybe not. Um, Fulham picked up a win today uh, over, as we're, as we're recording, over Liverpool, uh, and the goal scorer was Mario Lamina. So maybe he forgot who actually pays most of his wages still, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. oh, God, I mean, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this by now. As much as I love seeing Liverpool lose, I don't want to see Fulham picking up results. Right. This is not, not what Saints need. And I think I, like many others, didn't think we'd be uh, looking over our shoulders like we are right. in the league. But Fulham are quite concerning. I mean, they were... Extremely lucky in the uh, unlucky in the week as well um, against Chelsea. So yeah. let's hope they're they're not turning a corner. Their only uh, goal difference uh, behind Brighton now, and I mean we're yeah. once again looking at the closest away fixture being London. Uh, if if Fulham managed to overtake Brighton, because uh, obviously uh, you know the lot down the road aren't coming up anytime soon. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not necessarily referring to Bournemouth who are also going through some struggles. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I guess when we say there's only one team on the South coast, it's not a lie. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll go with that. But, um, I just want to say thanks again, Jake. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can do that. Thank it's you. at, uh, JJ Hughes underscore. Um, and just a reminder to people, if they enjoy UFC, if they enjoy, uh, you know, that aspect of mixed martial arts or, or anything else. Um, you write about that as a freelancer uh, a lot, which means you've been up since 3 a.m. watching. I don't know all the people who fought, but somebody probably <laughs> got knocked out, and hopefully it was good. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, a night of three title fights, including one that ended in disqualification because the uh, challenger was kneed in the face while he was a downed opponent, which is an illegal move, um, which meant the guy... We got need in the face actually won the belt through qualification. Through disqualification. Well, at least it's something you don't see often in MMA. So. No, no, that's a that's a VAR controversy. It sounds like. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- this was a clear cut one. This okay. wasn't a uh, offsides. Bring out these weird lines and angles. This was a. Uh, oh God, yeah, he got need in the head yeah. really badly, um, and can't continue. So, yeah, that was that was interesting viewing at. Uh, I think that was around four this morning. So. I'm still going strong. Yeah, any 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 kicks to the head as clean as the one Che took? Uh, <laughs> that that was a clean one. That that was more uh, sweet chin music. Yeah, <laughs> Shawn Michaels. That's a good reference. Yeah, yeah, HBK. Um, no, no head kicks. 
All right. Uh, from what I recall yesterday, at least not on the main card. I um, I cheated a little bit and only watched the main card. <laughs> I, I didn't fancy staying up from uh, from eleven then watching on. No. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. But uh, thanks a lot for staying <laughs> up to do this, and I hope the rest of your your day, however however many hours you have left awake, I hope it goes all right. Cheers. <laughs> and and it's it's great talking to you and catching up for the podcast and talking Saints uh, for the podcast. It's, it's always good fun. All right, man. We'll do we'll do it again. Yes, definitely. And hopefully after a win again. Yeah. That does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks, as always, goes out to this week's guest, Jake Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at JJHughes underscore. You can also follow St. Mary's Musings. All of the links are in the show notes for you to do that, so do not hesitate. And I uh, just want to say thank you to all of you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. The show would be impossible without you listening to it and also without the patrons of the show who get a little bit extra but give me a lot, um, not a lot of money, just a lot of hope and, and things like that. But anyway, uh, if you would like to become a patron of the show, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. There you get access to some extra podcasts. You get priority for having your questions answered on the show and uh, you can join the discord and hang out and, and do all that stuff if you wish. If not, please just share the show, leave a rating or review if you can. And uh, I would appreciate that very much. The show has some fantastic partners. Jay, who runs the Southampton page on Twitter, uh, he's currently taking a break because he is concentrating on his mental health. And I think that is one of the most important things you can do. So to Jay, who hopefully is listening to this still, uh, we're all with you and uh, look forward to getting you back. And um, I will be checking in on you over the next couple of months. But uh, just hope you're doing. I hope you're doing well, man. And um, we are also partnered with the Saints Archive, who you can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and you can join their Facebook group on Facebook to get in touch and learn a little bit more about the history and culture of the Southampton Football Club. Our show logo is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. All music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits you listen to right now is Amos True by Huntington Bear. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show, but until then, we're going to together, march on. <laughs>